chapter 6 earlier is talking about the armor of God, this famous, famous description that Paul writes talking about spiritual warfare. And if we were to go back and, and read the whole thing, you can see that Paul lays out six different descriptions where he matches a part of a uniform with a specific aspect, like the sword of the Spirit. So you've got the sword and the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So he's taking that, that part of a uniform, the sword, and relating it to the Word of God. And he does that six different times, and that's a really, really famous passage. Um, in fact, there's a, there's a whole book that I think is like this thick, all on those ten verses. Um, and it's all about the armor of God. And so how do we get from, from that passage of... Here's these six descriptions, all about spiritual warfare, about us fighting temptation and and running away from sin. How do we go from that to our mystery phrase tonight of the mystery of the gospel? And I think the thing that ties it together here is in verse 18, and that is prayer. Uh, In in verse 18, Paul shifts and he starts talking. He's, He's already listed these six different things, these six different aspects of spiritual warfare and the different parts of this uniform, and then he, he doesn't skip a beat, and he goes straight into pray at all times. And Matthew Henry, talking about this, says, prayer must buckle on all the other parts of our Christian armor. We must join prayer with all these graces for our defense against these spiritual enemies, imploring help and assistance of God as the case requires. And so the way Matthew Henry explains it is that although prayer doesn't get one of these descriptions, like how awesome is it that our, our Bible is, is called a sword or the shield of faith, um, prayer, while it doesn't have one of those descriptions, Paul didn't give it one of those descriptions, Matthew Henry says that it's the thread that ties it all together. And I think one way that we can test this theory of of is prayer actually a part of spiritual warfare, is simply asking ourselves the question, can we do spiritual warfare on our own, of of our own strength, of our own accord? And I think the the clear and definite answer is no. We need God's help in, in and throughout spiritual warfare, and that is why Henry is saying that prayer ties it all together and holds it all together, and throughout all those circumstances, we need to be relying on God through prayer, through supplication. And so that's how he gets from those, from the spiritual warfare into prayer. And so he says in verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so Paul says, pray. He says, pray all the time. He says, pray in all kinds of different ways. He says, persevere in prayer. And then he says to pray for all the other believers there are. And then he goes on and, and adds himself to that prayer list as well. He says, if you're going to pray for all of the believers, well, then add me to your prayer list as well. So in verse 19, he says, and also for me that words may be given to me in, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. And this makes sense because... Uh, here Paul is, he's, he even talks about later how he's in chains, he's in prison because he's already been preaching the gospel. Uh, so his, his circumstances aren't great. He's probably hungry, he's probably been beaten. We know that, he's, we know that Paul gets beaten many times throughout his life because of his boldness in Christ. 
And so his circumstances are definitely not well. And we would almost expect him to say, yeah, add me to the prayer list that, that God would free me from this prison, that God would give me food, that God would take away some of this pain that I'm in. And, and all those are good prayers, and I think we wouldn't even... We would think that is a good prayer if he were to ask us to pray for those things, but that's not what Paul asks to be praying for. Paul's mind and Paul's priorities are so much more focused on bigger things than just his circumstances. Uh, John MacArthur says that Paul does not ask for prayer for his personal well-being or physical comfort in the imprisonment from which he wrote but for boldness and faithfulness to continue proclaiming the gospel to the unsaved, no matter what the cost. And so despite how hard life was for Paul, being stuck in prison, he doesn't ask for his circumstances to, to be absolved or to go away, uh, but rather he, 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 he asks them to pray that he would have even more boldness to preach the gospel. And we can, we can already see Paul's heart in this, and we're going to talk more about that that later as well. Uh, but this is where we come across our mystery phrase. In verse 19, he says, "And also for, pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel." And I think uh, Paul could have very much just left it at "pray for me to proclaim the gospel," and that would have made complete sense. Uh, but he does throw in that phrase. Pray for me that I would proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So we have, to, we have to dive into that and think, why did he include that word mystery? Because it would have made plain, total sense if he had just said, pray that I would proclaim the gospel. And I have two methods that I want to uh, propose that we look at this passage tonight, this mystery phrase. And the first is that we focus in on the word gospel, uh, the word gospel. And if, if we were to go back to verse 15, a couple verses Higher up in our passage, it says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And so there we have uh, somewhat more of the mystery revealed. So uh, Paul says there that this gospel is a gospel of peace, and that is actually really convenient because in chapter 2 of Ephesians, if we flip uh, in my Bible, it's just one page to the left, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, Paul talks a lot about peace and what that means. And so we're going to read verses 13 and 14 of Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So we know from Ephesians chapter 2 here that Jesus Christ is our peace. So if we were to connect the dots, if we go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, we have that mystery of the gospel, and then we go up to verse 15, we have the gospel of peace, and then we jump back to Ephesians 2, and that connects the dot to the, the, the peace that we have is in Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ. So... Hold that thought for method one. That's method one if we were to focus in on the word gospel. And the method two that I want to propose is uh, focusing in on the whole phrase of mystery of the gospel. And for here, we're going to flip back to Ephesians chapter three. 
And while Ephesians chapter 3 never actually uses the exact phrase, mystery of the gospel, it does come really, really close. Uh, so, fa- so close, in fact, that the title and the heading, which isn't, exact, isn't scripture, but the title and the heading of my passage, uh, of this passage in my Bible, titles it as the mystery of the gospel revealed. So we can go back to chapter 3 to get a little bit more insight on this whole phrase of the mystery of the gospel. And in fact, this was actually what Austin Hammonds preached on, uh, I think two or three weeks ago, when he preached on, on his passage, which was the mystery of Christ. And if we want to, uh, I, would, I would encourage you to go to listen to his sermon, because I'm not going to preach his sermon again. Uh, but if we were to sum it all up, Paul, Paul gives us, he sums it all up for us in verse 6. If we look at verse 6 of chapter 3, it says, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So if we look at chapter 3, verse 6, this is telling us that this mystery of the gospel is now revealed, and it is the inclusion of the Gentiles into the church of God, into the family of God. And they can now uh, be believing in Jesus. And, and, and Austin did a good job of saying, uh, diving even more deep into that, and I'm not going to go um, as deep as he did. Uh, so we have method one talking about the gospel of peace, and then we have this second method that I pr- am proposing that's talking about this mystery of the gospel, which is the inclusion of the Gentiles. And so uh, you could ask, well, which one is right? And the answer is yes. Both of them, both method one and method two, I think are talking about the same thing. And if we were to go back to chapter two, starting in verse 11, we can see that the gospel of peace that Paul was talking about in chapter two is the same thing that he's talking about in chapter three when he talks about the inclusion of the Gentiles. So if we go back, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, we're going to read uh, all the way up to verse 14 again. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So that, that gospel of peace that Paul is talking about in chapter 2 is this peace of now the gospel is open to Gentiles, and it's including all Gentiles, not just Jews, but all people, all man, um, can now have a relationship with God and be connected with God. And, and the thing that reunites us with God is Jesus Christ himself, who breaks down this dividing wall of hostility and tears it, um, tears it down allowing us to have access to God, allowing us to now have a right relationship with God. And that's all people. And so that is the mystery of the gospel. And now I want to turn our attention, our attention to the mission of that gospel. 
And when I say the word mission, uh, we should have a pretty good idea of what that means. And, and the first thing that I think of when I think of that word mission is Matthew 28, where God, or Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, uh, his final words to his disciples were to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them. And, and to us here at Fairdale, that word now even uh, rings on our hearts a little bit more because of the layman's. Uh, we now are a sending church, sending this missionary family to another country uh, as missionaries. They're going to fulfill, fulfill their role a part of this mission of go to all nations, baptizing and teaching them. And so we understand here at Fairdale, and I, th I think we do a really, really good job of, of, of preaching that and teaching that, that mission of go and tell people all around the world. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say the word mission. So with that being said, let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6, our passage tonight. And we've talked about the mystery of the gospel in verse 19, and now I want to jump to verse 20, where Paul says, For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may proclaim it boldly as I ought to speak. And so Paul was asking for them to add him for the people there to add Paul himself to their prayer lists uh, for the very fact that he would be able to preach that gospel even more. You can see that Paul's priority and Paul's focus is so focused on the mission of the gospel that he ignores the fact that he's in prison. He ignores the fact that he already has preached the gospel so bold enough that he's been, he's been beaten, he's probably hungry, um, his circumstances are not good. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. And it makes you wonder, Paul, what are you thinking? He says, pray for me that I would have even more boldness to preach the gospel. The very gospel and the very boldness that got him thrown into prison in the first place, he's asking, make me more bold. Give me more words and more opportunities to preach this gospel. And you can see that, that we have a good, good example of, of the heart of Paul here, of what he was focused on, his priorities, where his heart was focused, where his mind was focused. And uh, we can really, really, really look to Paul and learn so much from Paul and his devotion to the mission of the gospel. We have a great deal to learn from him. But I want to focus in on one word that he uses in verse 20, and that word is the word ambassador. Uh, what is an ambassador, and, and are, are we two ambassadors? If Paul is referring to himself as this ambassador, uh, what does that mean for us? Are we ambassadors as well? And so an ambassador, uh, the simple definition in Merriam-Webster, the, the dictionary, is, is an authorized representative or messenger. Uh, but I want to look at our call to worship in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and that's where we'll be the rest of tonight, uh, taking a look at that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And by the way, Josh had me memorize this passage in high school. And I think that this passage, verses 16 through 21, has been, of all the, the verses that he's made me memorize, <laughs> and I've joyfully done so, this one has been the most used one. I mean, I find myself quoting this all the time. In Bible studies, I find myself thinking about these, these verses all the time during sermons. 
Um, these verses are really, really good. It really touches on a lot of stuff. In verse 21, it doesn't get any better than verse 20. In fact, uh, I underline all my good verses, and then in verse 21, I have it circled, which means that's even better. So verse 21 is really good. Uh, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 18 through 20 is what we're going to focus on. Starting in verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So he's, he's, he's talking about that breaking down the hostility wall, uh, breaking down that, that, that div dividing wall between us and God, that we can now have access to God. So we've been reconciled to God. So who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of recon reconciliation. So that is him giving us the mission of the gospel to go and preach it to all nations. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. John MacArthur talking about these verses says that an ambassador is uh, described as an older, more experienced man who served as a representative of a king from one country to another. Paul thus described his role and the role of all believers, so that answers our question of, are we ambassadors? And John MacArthur would say yes. So he says, Paul thus described his role and the role of all believers as a messenger representing the king of heaven with the gospel, who pleads with the people of the world to be reconciled to God, who is their rightful king. So we too are ambassadors for Christ. When Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 chapter six says that I am an ambassador in chains, uh, we too are, because we are reconciled to God and because he has given us this mystery of the gospel and the, this mission of the gospel, because of that, we now too are ambassadors of Christ. What we do represents Christ in us. So uh, we, we too should have a heart like Paul's that is so focused not on our circumstances, but on the furthering of the gospel, on the preaching and the boldness of that gospel to all peoples and all nations and all tongues and all tribes. And so we know uh, that an ambassador is someone uh, who represents someone else and also carries a message. Those are the two things about an ambassador that makes an ambassador. He, he rep, he's a representative and he's carrying an important message. And, uh, you know, before they had post offices and, and email, uh, there was the way that they got messages to and from each other uh, were by um, vocal. You know, like I would tell somebody else and they'd go, they'd go tell somebody else for me. Uh, and, and one of the terms they have for this was a day runner. It was actually how some people made their living. They were, all they did was transport messages from city to city. And so they got this title of day runners. And so a day runner meant that if I was a king of one city or a mayor of one city and I told this day runner, hey, go tell them 10 miles away, 
give them this message from me. So that day runner now has to run all the way from that city to that city to take that message representing the person who sent him. And one of the legends of these day runners <clears throat> is the legend of Pheidippides. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but Pheidippides, and hopefully you all, I'll get there. Pheidippides was a day runner, and uh, he is known for their, the Greeks who were battling the Persians on, in the city of Marathon. And so he is there, and the Greeks actually defeat the Persian army, which is this huge upset. The Persians were this huge army, and the Greeks defeat them. So the, the commanders of the Greek army find this day runner, Pheidippides, and they give him this message of, we've won, the, we've won this battle. We've won the battle at Marathon. And so what does Pheidippides does? He, he books it all the way from the city of Marathon to the city of Athens, about 40 kilometers, and he runs the whole way and as soon as he gets there, he busts open the door and he says, joy, we've won. And then he breathes his last breath and he dies right there. Pheidippides. And the reason that you all probably have never heard of Pheidippides, but you do know something about him is because that's where we get our modern day term for a marathon. A marathon is now this athletic event that to commemorate Pheidippides, uh, it's 26.2 miles or approximately 40 kilometers, because he ran from the city of Marathon to the city of Athens. And when he got there, he proclaimed this message because he knew that that message was so good, that message of we've won, we've, the Greeks have beaten the Persians, and he ran the whole way, and he, he ran so hard that he died when he got there. How much more awesome is our representative who sends us? So the commanders there sent Pheidippides uh, to, sent, to give this message to Athens. And he, 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 our representative is Christ. And how much more awesome is, is our message of go and preach the go this gospel, this gospel of peace to all people. I mean, we should be running nonstop uh, with every last breath with the same amount of strife and energy and excitement as Pheidippides did when he ran 40 kilometers to his death because he knew that message that he carried was so awesome, but the message that we carry is so much greater, so much greater. The, the message that, that Christ is now using us as his ambassadors to preach peace to all nations uh, if they would just believe in, believe in him. We are ambassadors of Christ he sends us as our representative, and that message that we have uh, is that he is peace. He, he, he has broken down that, that hostility of wall. Um, if Galatia, or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21 really, really sums it up when it says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is what... Fairdale, that is what we want to be imploring people to be believing in. May we be a people that, uh, that have that message and have that, the sense of we are representing Christ our King and that he deserves to be worshipped by all people. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, God, we thank you for the example of, of Paul, that he 
has so much passion, uh, so much energy, places such a priority on your gospel, the gospel that uh, Christ is our peace, he's broken down that wall of hostility, and now we can have access to you through, through Christ. God, may you use us as your ambassadors, may we be representing Christ well in our lives, may we, preaching, may we be preaching and, and teaching that message of peace uh, with all of our hearts, as, as Paul so, so teaches us to do. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.